Welcome to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with Ahmed and Samar. Samar is uh, here with me in the studio. And uh, today on today's program, we're going to be speaking about Philistine, Palestine, um, and COP27. COP27 is over, but some reason we're talking about it, maybe what happened there, or we have a different Actually, perspective. It's, yeah, it's a different perspective, and it's uh, very important for people who care about the environment to listen to engineer Razan Zaiter. She happens to be a Palestinian and Jordanian and her organization, a very fascinating organization based in Jordan, but um, she coordinates with maybe 35 uh, civil society type of organizations about the environment. And the way they look at it, Ahmed, is yes. so different from Okay, third well, we're going to hear what she has to say and we'll uh, reintroduce her. And I guess this is why you picked this song for her. And uh, we'll be right back after the short music break with our show. This is True Talk on WMNF. With Her Excellency Samar Jarrah and Ahmed. <laughs>
Welcome back to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 with uh, Ahmed and Samar. And um, Samar, Demi Filistini, is that? Uh, I'm Egyptian, but you're Filistini. Yeah. But for some reason, if you're watching the World Cup right now, it seems like everybody that's there, so many people are Filistini and celebrating with the Palestinian flag. Palestinian. Did you see that? Yeah, of course, because Palestine is in the hearts of every human being that has some decency and respect for morality and human rights and international law. And uh, so the Palestinians, of course, uh, or the cause of Palestine is uh, very vivid in the hearts of Arabs and Muslims. And they had a chance on the world uh, stage to talk about Palestine, to show their love for Palestine. And uh, I think a lot of people are paying attention that there is a difference between what is being promoted in some Western media or certain Arab media about uh, the so-called Abrahamic Accords and peace, uh, uh, you know, uh, accords, whatever you want to call them. It doesn't uh, mean that the people of these countries... Okay, well, I'm hoping uh, after this segment we're going to talk more about the World Cup... Um, I didn't finish. Our guest is on here. Yeah, I think Razan would not mind. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Let's introduce Razan. Uh, I'm very honored to be talking uh, to Razan Zaiter, who is uh, a graduate of the American University in Beirut. And uh, she's an engineer, I think agriculture engineer. But she is the founder of a fascinating organization. And it's called uh, the Arab Group for the Protection of Nature. In 2019, Ahmed, she founded the Arab Network for Food Sovereignty as an independent body. It has almost 35 civil society organizations and different unions from 13 Arab countries. And uh, just as the events of the climate uh, conference in Egypt, I think it's called the uh, COP27, COP27. She wrote a very interesting piece related to uh, the third world perspective of climate change. And she was calling for this conference not to be just like other conferences to pay attention to the role of Western powers in polluting Earth. Uh, good morning, uh, Ms. Razan Zaiter. Ahmed, could you? Ahmed is running the board, so. Yeah, Razan. Yeah. Good morning, yes, Razan. Yes, good you? morning, Summer. It's, it's it's an honor to be with you. I'm so happy to touch base with you personally again, and to see Ahmed. Uh, this evening. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, uh, Razan. As I was just mentioning, the um, the piece you wrote uh, just, I think, before the beginning uh, of the conference, and I think you were saying, I think if I, it's in Arabic, but I can translate it to climate justice and unequal war in which Arab nations uh, are the biggest losers. Why did you uh, say that? What's the gist of your argument here? You know, the, the uh, responsibility of the Arab region in the gas emissions is the least in the world. And uh, they are being uh, blamed for uh, much of the climate change and asking them to reduce their gas emissions uh, without really looking at the gas emissions that are uh, 
uh, in the north and the industrial countries. Uh, they are uh, not uh, helping um, not only the Arab world, all, all the south in uh, adaptation to this climate uh, catastrophe that they are causing. They are not helping in uh, their uh, recovery uh, and they are uh, they are uh, not paying the dues they should pay for the damages and losses they caused by the by their gas emissions. What the Arab countries? Yeah, yes. go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. Yes, uh, the the uh, this is what I wanted to say. The Arab countries are the least producers of their food, the least producers of their uh, their industry is <laughs> maybe the weakest. So uh, they uh, it's it's an unfair. Uh, accusation uh, and demands of our region uh, to to be responsible for these gas emissions equally as the north is so the threat i i this is what i understood from reading your uh, fascinating article the threat is that if they demand uh, the people of the south to uh, be more careful with gas emission it could reflect on agriculture which is so needed in that part of the world as food? Yes, it does. Actually, um, you know, they, they, there is a point that the uh, some type of agriculture which, which is producing meat uh, is, a co- they, they, is a cause of a high rise of, of, uh, of the gas emissions in the world. The, 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 the higher the consumption for the, for the meat and for the animal farms, it might it might be uh, also a cause for uh, for climate change and the rise of temperatures, but the Arab world is the least uh, producer of food, the least producer of uh, of uh, any type of uh, of food uh, amongst the producers of the world. So uh, when they ask to uh, when they ask the South to be careful in agriculture and to lessen their uh, production, uh, we find this a threat. Also, uh, we find the we find it our right in the Arab region and in the south to be uh, to have the full opportunity for development as as the north. So the the gas emissions should be reduced from the north and the south should be given more more space to uh, to follow with their development and with their industry and with their agriculture. You I have, mean, we should not pay the tax for their uh, for their emissions. Did they recognize their role and their contribution? I think uh, since 1850, and uh, the Western industrial yes. world is contributing to the crisis. But did they uh, at the end at the end of the um, the conference that was held in Egypt? It was over a couple of weeks ago. Did they recognize their role, or that they have? a past that contributed to this crisis well um, they 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 didn't very very much openly but they after you know around 25 years of uh, activist uh, condensed work uh, to push them to acknowledge the damages and losses uh, 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 responsibility that they did in a way to refund the, uh, the damages they did uh, or to, to compensate for the people. But, uh, and this was done in the last, you know, it was uh, an achievement in the last COP, the first COP that has some kind of achievement, but it was not a very serious, uh, again, uh, commitment. It was not uh, uh, included in their funding uh, 
strategy that they come they came out with you know it was mentioned there was discussions about it but we didn't feel there's a serious uh, um, will uh, to to really uh, compensate for the damages and the losses they have uh, caused for the whole world so what was like the most important recommendation of the cop 27 anything that pertains to the um, arab world or uh, helping uh, countries in the south deal with uh, the emissions that are caused uh, mainly by the uh, northern uh, hemisphere well summer um, you know i'm a bit uh, sad to say that uh, the arab world is not united uh, in the in in cop and neither is the South very strong uh, to to come together and uh, you know uh, impact this uh, these meetings to the benefit of the South. Uh, unfortunately, I felt uh, many countries are divided. They are looking for funding uh, and uh, funding opportunities, and uh, we are very sure as uh, people's uh, representatives that uh, the COP is always for the benefit of the superpowers for the marketing of their pro- uh, uh, interests for their uh, own opportunities for the, for their own space uh, the the south is is uh, there is a, a strong movement for people but i still feel that uh, the countries and the governments of the south are not working for their own uh, uh, interests for their peoples for their future they, if the if the Arab countries unite together, they can really uh, uh, impact and have a, a bigger space that they deserve. Uh, actually, uh, I didn't feel the pre- performance of the uh, Arab countries uh, satisfactory. You're the founder of the Arab Network for Food Sovereignty, and as I was reading um, to prepare... That's my co-host when he deals with the... Oh, gosh. Anyways, sorry. Sorry about that. That was actually a World Cup intervention uh, on the computer. 2012, you founded the Arab Network for uh, Food Sovereignty, and you are coordinating with about 35 unions and civil society organizations from 13 Arab uh, countries. Um, none of those are united in, for instance, or you need really nation states to be involved more than just unions and uh, civil society to have an effect on such conferences and a global issue. Definitely. Definitely. The creation of Food Sovereignty Network was uh, uh, Alhamdulillah, a very wise decision to do because now we have uh, unified positions. Now we are trying to impact our own governments, the regional regional uh, uh, platforms and internationally with the comrades of uh, other movements in the world. Uh, but uh, definitely somewhere without without the support of our of our governments, without the partnership together to impact, these, um, what can I call them, uh, very uh, superficial uh, uh, international uh, 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 conferences that leads to nothing if we are not really strong, if we are not uh, uh, asking for our shares, for our rights for development, for, for, uh, for uh, and, and facing them to, to, to uh, cut down their emissions 
uh, in a way not to reach the catastrophic level of passing a certain amount of uh, temperature rings. So uh, in our in our network, we are uh, um, we are uh, focusing on Arab regions to increase their food production because we are the biggest importers of food uh, as a region in the world, and. Uh, uh, as long as we don't uh, produce our own foods, we are not sovereign over our natural natural mm -hmm. resources, nor, nor uh, on our uh, political decisions uh, or our or our you know freedom. So, uh, Food Sovereignty Network uh, has started to advocate for the uh, for uh, you know adapting food sovereignty in the Arab world. And when you want to compare food sovereignty with food security that it's now much used in the Arab world, it is, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a bit uh, uh, unsatisfying for us because food sovereignty means produce your own food. Mm -hmm. Food security means uh, to have the food available to you. And as long as, you know, the Arab countries are importing their food and not producing itself, they are not sovereign. And we can see that in the during the COVID uh, uh, problem the, the, the Arab world could many Arab world could not uh, reach their food and the now in the Ukraine war also the Arab world mm -hmm. was affected the most affected among amongst all regions of the world unfortunately also our Arab region so our Arab region which has uh, introduced agriculture to the world you know the first uh, the first uh, peoples that uh, planted wheat were in the Arab region were in Iraq the mm -hmm. first uh, olive tree was planted in uh, greater syria so it's uh, it's a very uh, it's, it's saddening that we are the biggest importers importers now of wheat of food and uh, as i told you it's not only to eat it's only it's also to be sovereign over your uh, uh, political decisions or, or your independence of or your rights in climate change in, in all aspects. Uh, I want to remind our listeners that we're talking to agriculture engineer Razan Zaiter. She founded the Arab Group for the Protection of Nature as well as uh, the Arab Network for Fru Food Sovereignty. And this is what we are talking about. And some people, you know, um, uh, Razan might think of the Arab world as a vast a desert, they can't think of it uh, where it can be um, uh, an agriculture area, as well as some people might ask about the water uh, resources and natural resources. Is there enough water in the Arab world to sustain uh, a thriving agriculture industry that uh, can uh, be sustainable to the population? Well, some areas I know they are using these two reasons that we cannot. Uh, we don't have the right soil, we don't have the right climate, we don't have water, but it's all political. Trust me, uh, the, this is part of uh, keeping us as importers rather than producers. We have enough land, we have enough soil, we have uh, all, the, all the inputs needed to be a productive society, uh, region. We have uh, water, we have problems in water, but we are not managing water very well. Our water is stolen, and you know that. For example, I live in Jordan. Uh, most most of our water has been uh, stolen by uh, the occupiers uh, when they diverted the river, river Jordan, which was the main source of water for Jordan. So now River Jordan is almost dry, and we are not allowed 
to uh, dig uh, wells in our uh, land because they they we are we are asked not to uh, decrease the water level uh, you know the groundwater level uh, for for the occupiers so we are not really all of us we are not really very free now we we think if we uh, get our water back if we manage water well because much of the water is lost in uh, in corrupted uh, water pipes you know 70% of our water in amman goes uh, uh, because of the uh, corrupted you know pipes so we have uh, the water management is weak in the arab countries uh, the water is uh, stolen and we think uh, much more can be done to uh, to use uh, uh, to to uh, to use the water, the, uh, the grey water, for example, the sea water. We have lots of money in the Arab world. So, uh, as I tell you, uh, marginalizing agriculture is a political uh, strategy of, I say, the modern colonization of the Arab world. That's exactly what I was going to ask you. From what you're telling me, uh, Ms. Saiter, uh, you're giving me the uh, the feeling that there is colonization of the climate, there is colonization of agriculture, there is colonization of also of food uh, sovereignty. But um, aren't these governments in like interested in feeding their people? Because maybe if there is more poverty. Uh, caused uh, by uh, lack of food or sustainable food? Uh, aren't they afraid that uh, something, you know, that th- there might be some, like, uh, I, I don't want to say revolutions, but disturbances, uh, can they have, like, any interest in looking forward and do something for their own benefit and the benefit of their own countries? I mean, this is very scary not to have food yeah, security. It's a, very, it's a very good and legitimate question that I always ask myself. How short-sighted are some of our Arab leaders, you know? But uh, if uh, the, the, the civil society also, it's a vicious circle. The civil society has the role of monitoring and impacting and advocating uh, uh such an such an important issue of producing food it is now doing much better than before uh, I, I can see i can feel there is a a, a change uh, in the in the um, arab states mentalities now uh, they are speaking about food security as i told you uh, i'm very happy to say that the uh, last uh, arab uh, conference in algeria uh, stated that it's a priority to have uh, food security in the Arab world. And this is unprecedented. Uh, we, um, uh, I, I feel we have played a big role in that, in advocating through the Arab network of food sovereignty and through our uh, partnership with the uh, Arab League's uh, 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 Stop Hunger Committee, which I'm honored to be part of it. And they accepted our all our recommendations of how to achieve food sovereignty in the Arab world. These uh, recommendations were adopted by the this committee in the Arab League, and I was uh, we were very happy to know that the uh, Arab Conference in Algeria also uh, declared their uh, their uh, intention and the will to uh, achieve uh, food security in the Arab world. Finally, but what I'm trying yeah. to say that. We do not really want only food security. We want food sovereignty. Mm-hmm. We want Arab integration, Samar. 
because you cannot achieve food security or, for, or food sovereignty in, in one country of this region. This I, region should have integration. Now that you said that, uh, yeah, that you just reminded me of uh, like when, uh, and I don't mean to be political here, but when Saudi Arabia and the Emirates and Qatar had uh, a fallout, uh, let's say uh, they did some political disagreement and they stopped sending uh, Qatar. It seemed, I think if I, yeah, I think Qatar didn't have like dairy, didn't have chicken, didn't have eggs. Um, and, and then they like went, uh, they sped the process. So did, do you know if they are like, for instance, at least Qatar is trying to uh, have some type of food uh, security because, you know, look what happened to it from the neighboring countries. And also I read because, for instance, you have spaces, countries like Emirates, it's very, very small. But I read that uh, they have bought land in Sudan and are doing their agriculture or maybe meat produce in Sudan. Um, is that correct? Is is that what kind of you're dreaming of? Like we would have more and of an integrated type of coordinated uh, agriculture policies where, for instance, if I am too small like the Emirates or I lack water, I can go to Sudan and produce my food there. In theory, in theory, this is logical. But what's happening, unfortunately, that uh, many, many, in many uh, events, it is uh, we call it land grab, land grabbing rather than integration, mm -hmm. because these big uh, investors come, they uh, take the land from the poor farmers, they purchase uh, lands, uh, and they, uh, they, they maximum they use the farmers as workers in their big projects that are intended to uh, export, to export to Emirates. But the people of Sudan might not benefit from it. You understand what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I so see, it's, yeah. it's a very important thing that the countries like Sudan or any country that they come to work in it, that they they, they secure uh, the rights of the farmers to 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 produce, be partners in their uh, communities with this these investments. I'm very afraid that. Uh, this is not really happening. Mm -hmm. And this only can be uh, rectified by uh, the, the uh, a solid civil society and the uh, strengthening of our states to be sovereign over their own natural resources. I really see, want it's not only money what we need. Yeah, it's I, I can see what what you're trying to tell me here. Um, but um, and we dream, we dream, we dream of uh, proper integration. Uh, and and I think it's not uh, far-fetched. I think there is now uh, uh, awareness. Uh, 20 years ag ago, we had not uh, had this, uh, this chance to speak like this. Now people mm -hmm. are accepting it. People are speaking in Jordan about food sovereignty, doing uh, project, projects to uh, strengthen this idea. Uh, I think we have achieved a lot. Uh, Qatar, as you said, is uh, keen about it. Uh, everybody Saudi, all of them are uh, talking about production. Uh, but as I told you, not any production. Yeah. Uh, production that secures the rights of the rural people to develop, to have to be partners in their lands, to have, uh, to have, you know, it's not only agriculture for import, it's agriculture for uh, uh, farming families, for uh, 
it's it's a it's a it's a it's a whole story you see so uh, uh we are we we started you know in the region but it needs lots of uh, uh more advocacy more work together to to uh to monitor and to try to be uh, a stakeholder in this uh, process uh, and uh, we are on the right track as i told you the arabs uh, uh, resolutions in Algeria were uh, really, really much better than before as to food security. But I want to say something that I say in all our my meetings or my addresses that uh, the 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 colonizers or the neo colonization uh, has has said it uh, uh, clearly. You know, I remember uh, an ex prime minister uh, in the U.S. Uh, who, who is Kissinger? He said, uh, an ex uh, foreign minister. He was a foreign minister, I think. Yeah. And he said, uh, to, to control, to control nations, you control petrol. To control people, you control food. And uh, I see this, uh, 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 you know, uh, spoken in many kinds of strategies till now. I, I, I uh, think the marginalization of agricultural ministries in the Arab world. The uh, the uh, the the fields, uh, you know, the the uh, the import of wheat, uh, which kills the production of wheat in uh, in every country. The uh, the wars that are happening, the conflicts uh, that are erupting all the time, uh, the internal conflicts in this region, which should should stop immediately. Because as we said, coming back to climate change, militarization and wars increase the climate change. And we are not responsible for them. Yeah. We are responsible when we when we fell in the trap of uh, sectarianism or, or uh, uh, religious wars or al-harub uh, al But I think uh, uh, the... the uh, the modern colonization is keen that this region stays a big importer, the biggest importer of importer food. Of unfortunately, food. Um, uh, I just want to remind our listeners that just listening to True Talk on WMNF 88.5 FM, I'm talking to Razana Zaiter, who is a graduate of the American University in Beirut, agriculture engineer. And I want to ask you, uh, finally, about your fascinating organization, Arab Group for the uh, Protection of Nature. And to our listeners, you can go to apnature.org, apnature.org. And um, you have several projects. People can actually go uh, online and donate. Uh, there is, I think, you have several projects, but uh, two, one of them is the Million Trees campaign, the green caravan, food sovereignty of, and if only you knew. So tell us about the million tree campaign. You know, the million tree campaign is a, a campaign that started uh, 20 years ago, maybe 22 years now ago, when we realized that the attack on farms and uh, especially olive trees is very uh, vicious in in Palestine, uh, we found that the trees are one, one in one year trees were uh, uprooted a tree per minute. We calculated, you know, it's uh, it was a systematic attack on on trees and farms. So uh, we thought, uh, as agricultural experts, uh, that 
we have a responsibility to fight back. So we uh, started this campaign under the slogan, they uproot one tree, we plant 10. And uh, it gained lots of uh, popularity amongst people because a tree is only uh, $7. And it uh, it covers the tree and planting it uh, and uh, helping the farmer uh, take care of it. We are very proud that till now we have planted uh, around uh, 2,700,000 trees uh, in all uh, parts of Palestine. Uh, we impacted uh, 30,000 farmers uh, with uh, around 220,000 people. You know, this, this, their families, I mean, uh, they are uh, covering their uh, expenses, teaching their children. Uh, we have uh, actually uh, done uh, uh, I, I, uh, so many uh, wells. Uh, we uh, brought nets for Gazans to, uh, because they burn their nets, uh, fisheries. Mm -hmm. We, uh, we planted, uh, we planted, uh, 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 I think you planted, I, uh, because I follow you on uh, Twitter or follow the organization. And just two days ago, I read that you helped a farmer whose uh, property is adjacent to one of these illegal uh, settlements or colonies uh, in uh, Palestine. In I, th I can't remember whether it was Hebron or the West Bank or Jerusalem. And... Like if he, ha if you haven't, if your organization didn't provide the trees uh, and he didn't plant them, they could have easily confiscated his land because I think there is a law there uh, that if you can't, if the, if the land is not cultivated, the, the government can just confiscate it. So you do amazing work and I'm looking um, like you help people uh, steadfast, like we say, that you help them stay put on the ground uh, and I think it's a very, very worthy cause. But I'm also looking at a chart, I'm looking at your uh, website here and uh, I think this one in particular talks about uh, Jordan and I wish people would go and see how like planting just a fruit uh, tree, how much it sustains a whole uh, family. Can you tell us about the Green Caravan Program? What does it do? I mean, I'm just amazed uh, yes. at, at the infographic yeah, we, here. Uh, we have uh, uh, extended our tree planting from Palestine to Jordan as we realized also that um, much of the land of Jordan Valley is also uh, threatened, uh, unfortunately, to be sold to uh, maybe foreign uh, buyers uh, to be uh, transformed into tourism or any other activity other than agriculture and usually uh, on the expense of our sovereignty our uh, farmers our rural people's right to have uh, their lands and to uh, use them so we have uh, really have a big campaign now on jordan valley to support every a marginalized farmer who, who owns the land and cannot plant it. And really, we're doing really, I'm really happy that you are uh, following us 
that the closely it uh, gives us hope it makes our hearts dance <laughs> yeah. that you summer in the us <laughs> uh, is is uh, is you know is it some, yeah, I mean, that some people are uh, their hearts are with us yes. so we uh, yeah. I, I mean you do amazing work like you give beehives Uh, you help uh, the farmers and you educate young people. You uh, uh, give uh, create water reservoirs. You give some people uh, sheep and lamp. And I mean, uh, I think you do an amazing work, uh, Razan. But unfortunately, we are very close to ending this segment. And I want to thank you very much for being on True Talk. And I want to remind our listeners, they can go online to... A- Dental implants have up to a... Na- Oh gosh, my co-host, apnature.org, apnature.org, uh, because they have uh, the uh, ability to donate online. You can donate for uh, food security. And if you want to plant the trees in Palestine, they uproot them and we plant them as uh, Zaiter, Ms. Zaiter said. Thank you so much, Razan, for being on True Talk. Thank you so much for uh, hosting us. And I would like to tell you, you know, to finally tell you that the People are, of Palestine are uh, really uh, steadfast, steadfast in their lands. They are uh, refusing to sell their lands for millions of dollars. Uh, and they, they understand the, the meaning of keeping their land. So we should support them. And thank you for supporting us and hosting us. Thank you so much, Razan. When we come back, hopefully my co-host will be more alert and uh, stop uh, interrupting our segments with... What are you watching? No, I was What just queuing the music for um, yeah. the break and um, in honor of Morocco leading in the World Cup right now in their match against um, Are they, is it the against only, Canada. Is it the only country still in the game? <laughs> I guess you're not following the game very much. It's just no, I mean, they're still in the first round. But here's, uh, we'll be, when we come back, we'll talk more about uh, the World Cup. This is True Talk on WMNF.
Aviva La Marib, um, I guess produced by Thank You Kid. Um, Summer, the World Cup is happening for the first time in the Middle East, the Arab in the world, Arab world. In a Muslim country. In a, in a Muslim country, and it's getting so much... Uh, like, criticism from the world media as if like Qatar is the worst country in the world. Yeah. I don't when was when did Qatar ever invade anyone else, bomb anyone, kill people? Blew up uh, for instance uh, uh, detonated a nuclear bomb. Uh, Not even going that far back but like you know Russia who was the last country to host the World Cup. Uh, at that point how many countries had they invaded or been involved in uh they annexed uh, Crimea? Uh, now they're in, well, you know, the war in Ukraine wasn't happening at that point, but, uh, but they had there was no terrible, criticism. They had they a had terrible, terrible human terrible, rights record, yeah. and they have all these problems, but uh, the world media, nobody boycotted it. Nobody was making a big deal about, you know, Russia hosting the World Cup. But For instance, there is something like so funny. So there is this couple, they have made, you know, these shipping containers and they transfer form them into um, places like a hotel room. Yeah. So they have bedroom, AC, Where is this? water in um, in Qatar some uh, for okay. the mondial. Okay, for uh, the World Cup. World mondial Cup. is the the official mondial. Is what what the everyone else in the world calls it. Except is that that's Spain yeah. uh, I mean it's French. Looks like it. Right. Mondial. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so, so they're converting. They're making these yeah. containers into like hotel rooms. Yeah, so they have a shower, they mm-hmm. have a bath, they have everything, and then the lady comes in and she, with her finger, she touches the window uh, silt, or they call it the window. Who's the lady? Is she a the reporter? Lady, yeah. Okay. And there is uh, sand. Oh. And I'm thinking, this is for God's sake, the middle of the desert. <laughs> no matter what you do, if you pass your finger, I mean, you go to Egypt, my uh, my sister's house, okay, and you pass your finger after at the end of the day, there is dust. If you go out here in Florida, the same thing happens. <laughs> so, oh, there is dust. It's in the middle of the desert. How so, what was think? her report on? Oh, she was just highlighting the type of homes. There's dust in the desert. Can oh, you believe it? there's okay. actually sand <laughs> in the desert? How could there be sand in the desert? But there's so many attacks about you know uh, how Qatar should not be uh, hosting this for so many reasons. Um, but it's going. It seems to be going pretty well. They have. Uh, People you know, are all these stadiums, all these stadiums, and it's the first time because it's such a small country and the stadiums are close to each other that uh, spectators can actually watch like one or two, you know, more than one game a day because they finish normally. Like when it was in Russia, you have to fly between stadiums, stadiums yeah. between cities, but there you just you know walk across the street or take like I guess uh, the metro system, and then you can watch the other game. Um, but a, a big criticism that's happening there, of course, is when they decided to ban alcohol sales from the stadium. In the stadium. In the stadium. Yeah. Um, during which the games. Which makes sense. I, I don't which, want to be which, sitting Which, if you watch some of these games that are happening yeah. and how the, the, the spectators, you know, the fans respond, especially when they're drunk, it's crazy. Yeah, I know. But and that's just where you're going to make... So is it about human rights or is it about the beer, you know? It's banned in several, by the way. In in like Britain, they ask in certain areas when there is a game, they ask that the game either starts late after the pubs close or I read something about that. But the whole idea is... Yeah, that wouldn't make sense. It probably they would start before the pubs open or something. 
Because uh, after the pubs close, I mean, are they going to start at two in the morning? I don't know. They cl- close at 11. Oh, okay. I but that would pubs. be a very late. How do you know so much <laughs> about, know about pubs <laughs> in uh, Britain? Um, don't ask me deep questions. Yeah. Okay. Know. Sorry. No, well, you that, brought it on. No, well, when, you, when you open up a conversation, just like yeah. in court, you're opening yourself up to cross examination. Mm. So be careful what you say on the show live. Okay. But it's the LBGQT, I think. I've LGBTQ okay. uh, issue as far as that uh, Qatar is not allowing the flag, the and rainbow flag to be or flown symbol, or yeah. displayed in the stadiums. But it's the, like, for instance, Germany is so mad at uh, th- these uh, things, um, which, in a way, I mean, people should respect when you say, the culture. When they say, how are they displaying their madness? Uh, they, they still went. Of course, they still the went. Cup. But for instance, the players covered their mouth. And then when a German... German when they covered their mouth, uh, you mean... Okay, just to provide context, I guess they covered their mouth during the photo, the team photo, right before the game started. They covered their mouth as if they're being silenced. Mm-hmm. But um, then what happened? So a German journalist is going around town asking the Qataris, how could you uh, be so uh, like censoring uh, this important issue? And they said, why don't you talk about Palestine? And she mm-hmm. said, this is a different issue. He says, no. Uh, you care so much about uh, this cause. We care about the Palestinian cause. Talk you, about it. Meaning just, they're pointing out the double standards yeah, uh, or the hypocrisy, hypocrisy in the human like, rights. Yeah, so of course, if you want to talk about human rights, talk about the Palestinians. And she said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't continue this conversation. Oh, that's how they shut it yeah, down. she couldn't. I, I also saw, well, one, Germany actually is doing, which was supposed to be a favorite like to, to win this World Cup, um, that same game that they covered their mouth, uh, they lost to Japan. One <laughs> like they're not a great team, um, and it was a huge upset. And then as commentators in Europe were telling Germany, well, um, maybe you're, you're the player should have been more concerned. Even within Germany, yeah. there's criticism against the players saying instead of making political statements, maybe you should just focus on football uh, because they lost. And then the second game against Spain, they they um, tied. So they're right now in last position in their group. And if they don't win today against Costa Rica, they're likely out. I mean, a lot of things would have to happen for them to continue to the next round. But Morocco right now is winning. How, how many? Two to one against Canada. And um, so they're they actually, yeah, they're, yeah, they already qualified. Even if, I think if they tie today, they'll still continue. But um, they so have, how many they're going to go rounds? to the next how many? Well, the first round, there's, um, I think there's a, the first group is a group of 32. And then the winners from each group then proceeds on and it becomes 16. And then? And then, uh, so from now on, it's just elimination. Whoever loses is out. Okay. And then the winners of the next round, there'll be eight left. Wow. Then. And then the eight will play against each other. And the winners, which will be four, and they'll be in the quarterfinals, and then the winners of those four will play the final, which, you know, they'll be the world champions. Uh, but it's fascinating. It's happening there. Qatar is taking advantage of it, of exposing, you know, Arab culture, Muslim culture, and a lot of criticism happening from the outside from people that are not there. And usually this World Cup takes place in the summer, which is so hot in Qatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because of the circumstances, they moved it to now, which is more bearable uh, but on top of that, they have these, you know, state-of-the-art stadiums that actually have air conditioning. 
Not to the point, only, yeah. They have parks that have some sort of an air, air cool air blowing. I don't right. know, I've never it's, been there, so I don't so know. So they're, they're spending a lot of money on this. They're trying to really showcase, um, you know, what the Arab world has to offer. What the Because, you know, growing up in this country and in, in general, when people think of that part of the world, they think like it's, it's backwards, it's desert. I mean, I remember growing up here, and I've said it here on the show, show before, that even when I was in high school, in high school, People asked me, because they know I'm from Egypt, or would hear I'm from Egypt, and they would ask if I lived in a pyramid, <laughs> and if I had a camel as my vehicle. <laughs> and then I serious realized that... Questions? Yeah, serious questions. And I realized that for most of these uh, young Americans, kids, and we're talking in high school, okay. and they didn't... All they know about Egypt Aladdin. is ancient Egypt. From Aladdin. Well, the Aladdin movie. and even in the history books, they talk about Egypt, they talk about the mummies, they talk about ancient <laughs> Egyptian civilization. They never talk about, hey, it, they're, you know, it's like an extinct world. They don't talk about the modern yeah. Egypt or the Middle East or what's happening there. So their perception of what's, or they hear about it in Bible school or Bibles, you know, yeah, like, uh, Moses you know, Moses and stories and Jesus and going to Egypt and, Pharaoh, and Pharaohs. Yeah. So that's all they have. And then I, here I come and I, I tell them, you know, well, no, we have homes and we have cars. And uh, I have to tell you, yeah. uh, before so COVID... So there's a lot of ignorance is a point that I'm trying to share. Before COVID, I right. went with my husband to a retreat for the hospital. So I'm standing next to the like three, four wives of physicians. So one of them, she has been to my house, okay, three, four times. We've been to dinners together. She's seen my mom a couple of times. So Ahmed, she, we're standing there and she tells me, Samar, really tell me, when you were young, you lived in houses with uh, windows? So I'm mm. trying to think, you know, is this a joke and I'm not getting it? So the lady says, I said, windows? She says, yeah, you lived in houses with doors and windows. I said, yeah, but unfortunately we lived, uh, we we would sleep outside and we would uh, let the camels live inside. <laughs> Who did you say this to? <laughs> the physician's wife. Wow, this is an old, you know. A... Uh, she's in her late 50s, mm. let me say. Yeah, this is, what's, this is what they think of that part of the world. She's been to my house. She knows my background. I speak three languages. She speaks hardly English. <laughs> And this woman has the audacity <laughs> to ask me if I lived in a house with a window. So I said, yeah, but you know Did what? Did she think you were in a my prison or what? My parents uh, would let the camels live <laughs> so, sleep yeah. inside. The woman looked at me trying to figure out, wow, <laughs> this is so bad. She didn't get your sarcasm? I hope she did. Um and, yeah, one this woman, is and the day I arrived to the U.S., two days later, like after I got married... Uh, so we go to this uh, New Year's Eve party and my husband is introducing me <laughs> to other people and here is another doctor's wife and so she's asking me a few questions how was my trip, blah, blah, blah so uh, Ahmed, after three minutes she says wow, you learned English in 48 hours? <laughs> and I really couldn't un answer her at that time because I thought, you know that can't be true that level of ignorance cannot be true, but unfortunately it is. So people who are going to the Mondial yeah. are being exposed to calligraphy, art, culture, music. High-tech, uh, yeah. state-of-the-art vehicles and uh, buildings that they haven't seen anywhere else. Uh, I mean, this country, this tiny country, 
of the Qatar, which I think they have, their whole population is something like, this is their citizens. There's 150,000 to 200,000 people. They can all stay in Orlando hotels. <laughs> yeah, and they've been able to like transform their country into something that's like um, just so, I mean, in 10 years. I mean, of course, it, that they're already on the road, but this really expedited it big time. And it's nice, and a lot of people are saying positive things that, you know, we're glad that it took, that the first one to take place in the Arab world is in Qatar. They're really doing a good job. Because can you imagine some other places, how they would handle it, you know, yeah. in, in the Arab world? Oh, gosh, if they went to Egypt, they'll be all stuck in traffic. <laughs> By the Yeah, that's true. They can't get to the game. No, and the players will even be late, you know, for the game. <laughs> the um, players won't make it on time like somebody here who walks in very late. I was on time. No, I, I was no, here. Like I was last here. Second. Last second. But it was on time. Last second. I drive two last hours second to be still... here. Uh-huh. And I always, mashallah, Allahu Akbar, I arrive either 20 minutes or 15 or 10 or nine minutes before. And I'm driving on I-75. Well, you have to because you don't know. I-75 <laughs> could take three hours or take yeah. one and a half How hours. How come for the past 20 years I arrive on time and you live here and you never arrive on time? You know, you twice, only twice. Twice. Um, by the way, cut, um, Canada, Morocco, uh, Morocco won Yay. their game. Congratulations to Morocco. So we're going to end with a song for Morocco and for our Moroccan uh, listeners out there, congratulations to you and for the accomplishment of your Moroccan Stu team. Stu is waving. Stu oh, is waving. Happy. He's also, he's I don't know if he's watching the World Cup, uh, but England he's next. Is England still in? Yeah, England yeah, is in. in. Yeah. Okay, Stu says England is still in. Right. Um, this is uh, True Talk on WMNF, WMNF Tampa. Have a great uh, weekend, everyone. We'll be right back. We'll be back next uh, week. Inshallah. Uh, same time, same place. On 88.5. يخسر الحرب تاريخ جديد غيتك تب ويا الله ويا الله تيكي تانكا بغريبية تقوبي بيت عالمية كوراج كوراج بنعاطية ويا الله